Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, this is The Teacher's Story podcast and I'm Jackie Scully. And today we have Dr. Jay Rodriguez with us. I am so honored to have him on the show. Uh, We connected on LinkedIn and one of the first things that I really recognized was his TEDx talk was amazing. So his TEDx talk is called The Power of Solidarity in the Moments of Life. Absolutely brilliant. He also inspired me to want to look into doing a TEDx. So that is going to be something on my list for this year into next year. So thank you for that. Um, Dr. J is, has his PhD in communication studies. He's a professor at California State University in Long Beach. Um, He's the communication consultant. And as you will see today in our interview, he is a wonderful communicator and very insightful. So thank you for being on the teacher's story. My absolute uh, pleasure, as as I said, when we were getting ready for the show, it's just such a joy to connect with you and to bond and create a sense of community through this beautiful conversation. So thank you for having me on the show. I'm deeply honored. Thank you. It's an honor as well. My first question for you is what was your inspiration to get into education or at least also to get into communication studies? Was there a singular moment like when you were either younger or a young adult or in college? Well, I stumbled into teaching backwards. So I was a reluctant teacher, got into teaching as an instructional aide when I was working my way through college. So I worked at a local school district under the direction of another teacher, and I was an aide, an assistant, and I helped teachers in the second grade, fourth grade, usually elementary school, but I did a little bit of junior high here and there, but mostly elementary school. And I discovered that it's something that came naturally to me for some reason. I discovered that when I explained something or when I told a story, it seemed to have an impact on the kids. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, maybe I'm good at this. Maybe I should explore this as a profession, as a vocation. So that was my introduction into teaching and that ultimately created a trajectory into the possibility of teaching at the college level or teaching at the university level. I wasn't one of those people who knew when I was four years old that I wanted to be a teacher and I had my life completely panned out perfectly because I had this grand vision. No, that wasn't (laughs) me. I call it stumbling successfully right? Mm. You stumble through life, but that stumble Mm. is actually a path to success. You Mm -hmm. think you're stumbling, but really you're stumbling successfully, meaning putting one foot in front of the other. And then all of a sudden the path appears. 
Yes. And there's something so organic about that. I love it. Um, most of the guests I've had on the show, something similar they're like, I didn't want to be a teacher or I just did not think that was going to ever be something I was good at. And then it just kind of came out in some way. And I love that you had this, this opportunity to be an instructional aide, and then you saw something in yourself. And I think that's what teachers really do as well is like, we see something in our students and we want to give them opportunities to like really showcase their talents and their, their gifts that they have. And then that light bulb goes off and you're like, wait a second, I'm onto something. I think I can really get into this. So that's really awesome. Exactly. And what you just pointed out shows the beauty of your teaching, of your <laughs> practice. You picked up on the fact that I didn't see that in myself until students or the process saw it in me. And mm. then it reflected me back to me. And then I reflected that back to the students. You picked up on it, you commented on it, and you then show all of us the magic of mm. teaching, the mm -hmm. power of instruction, the dynamic and the interplay of mm -hmm. connecting with another human being, having a moment of solidarity mm -hmm. where we basically wake up to the beauty in ourselves by noticing each other, by mm -hmm. seeing each other, and then by naming it, hey, you're really good at this. Mm -hmm. I really like the way you said that. I really enjoyed that description that you just shared. That mm -hmm. description is awesome. Whatever we say, in those moments of recognition is a mirror to the person, to mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. but let them see maybe something that they haven't seen before mm -hmm. about themselves. And we make it visible through the power of our language, through mm -hmm. the power of our reflection, through witnessing, through noticing, and really bringing the person out, right? Mm -hmm. Calling them in really, calling them in, not calling them out, inviting them to be more yeah. of who they are. So that way, that experience of self, of a person can be mm -hmm. shared with the larger community in ways mm -hmm. that work for the greater good. 100%. You get it, Dr. J. That's what I keep saying is that I went into education, not necessarily to be, I just love history. I love psychology. That's what I teach, but I am a mentor first, you know, I want to be there to inspire young people. Often young people don't see that light in them. Maybe it comes out later in life. So when you can be that person that can see that light in them and show it to them, and then they can empower themselves, right. To do something great with that light. And I keep talking about the ripple effect, and I've been talking about it yeah. on the show and on, you know, LinkedIn, and it really is true, right. When you can see something in someone and then you give that to them, then they can go do that for someone else. And that just makes a better community all around. Exactly. And we call it pay it forward, mm. right? There's this mm -hmm. metaphor in popular culture, even there, there's a movie, right? Pay it mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. And it really is about the power of education. And that movie is situated in a context of education mm. with educators and with students. And I really see that power of the ripple effect 
as you talk about it, as the magic that happens in classrooms, the magic that happens in education, the magic that happens in mm. conversations between teachers and students, between students and teachers, and that back and forth, that give and take, where you, you know, you see somebody's light as if for the first time, and you reflect that back to them. So perhaps they see themselves in a way that they've never seen themselves before. And I get that all the time. People say, oh my gosh, you just saw that. Oh my gosh, you just <laughs> yes. mentioned that. Nobody has ever said that to me. Nobody yeah. has noticed that. Nobody has said that. And then when I, when I hear that, it's just devastating mm. and beautiful at the same time I because I realize that the other person is seeing themselves in a beautiful way that they haven't seen before, which in a way is tragic, but at the same time is beautiful because they're noticing it now in the present and that's creating a new unfolding mm. future that they can share with other people. Mm, I love it. That's wonderful. Well, kind of going into my next part, um, your early teaching experiences. Do you have any wonderful uh, stories or aha moments or even challenges or anything you'd like to share in this exchange with your students? Yes. <laughs> First experiences, right? That that experience of being a teacher's aide <laughs> <right>? was, <laughs> as you can imagine, pretty crazy because <laughs> dealing with elementary school kids, you never know what's going to happen. Kids are just yeah. <laughs> super authentic, super real. They're just being who they are in their unbridled splendor. So that's one of the things that was a real aha moment, how different people are and how every class has its own personality. Every class has its own vibe mm -hmm. and way of moving mm -hmm with the flow of the day, right? Mm -hmm. And that was really a big aha because I realized one, the uniqueness of every human being, mm -hmm. the essence of humanity in everyone and how that shows up in a very, very distinct way. And at the same time, there's also this collective uniqueness in every classroom, mm -hmm. in every group, in every cohort, so that allowed me to surrender so that I'm not obsessed with myself. Mm -hmm. It's not about me, right? It's about the other. Mm. It's about the class. So sometimes the class would go really, really well. <laughs> and sometimes it was a train wreck. <laughs> and I wasn't all that different. I can't be mm. all that different. I'm pretty much the same person showing up in different contexts. And I realized that it wasn't about me. It was about something beyond me, whatever that was. I don't know, and I may never know. But to go with the flow, allow it to be okay, find something that is a spark, right? Mm -hmm. Even with classes that are very challenging, sometimes you create a spark just by telling a story, by being vulnerable, by talking about your experience, mm -hmm. by sharing your own struggles. Mm. And sometimes you think that you're not having an impact, but you are. Mm -hmm. Because some kid or a student may not be vocal, they may be embarrassed, or they may be shy, or they may be introverted, introverted or they may be hungry, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they don't have 
the capacity or the ability or the spirit mm -hmm. at this time to convey how much you've impacted their life. But that doesn't mean you're not having an impact. So those were big aha moments for me early on. Yeah, and I think what you said is really helpful for our listeners as well, especially those that are in education, because teachers are very rough on themselves, yeah. very rough on themselves. I mean, I'm already that way just internally as an individual. I'm like my biggest critic. I mean, it just, I think a lot of people are, but you're right that you, I mean, obviously you can create a classroom culture, you can create a vibe, but you as an individual, for the most part, are kind of showing up the same way every day. And the class can be completely different and not to completely put that on yourself of like, what did I do wrong, right? I mean, they're kids and I teach teenagers. So they're all over the place, right there. Right. They can change their attitude all the time. But I like the part where you are assessing kind of the room. And this is what yeah. I love about teaching is that it's very like in the moment. But if you assess the room and the energy and something's like not quite there, you could just pause and be like, let me tell you a story, you know, yeah. let me tell you something that I went through that was really hard. And when you do that, they will just be captivated because they're like, you're a human. You're not just this like history teacher, just, you know, giving me knowledge about whatever time period, but you are, you're sharing a story. And I often do that. I do it a lot in my psychology class, but um, when those moments where I've been very vulnerable, it happened a lot during the pandemic when we were virtual, it's just like their eyes open up and you just feel this real human connection. And that's often when I, I say like, I feel I'm in flow in my class, which is magic, absolute yep. magic. Exactly. Yeah. And notice how you just put it brilliantly. You feel that you're in flow. And that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. There's actually incredible research on, mm -hmm. on flow. And when we get into flow, we mm -hmm. lose all sense of our static self and we dive into the moment mm -hmm. and surrender to the beauty of that exchange. And connected with that is this beautiful distinction that you made between knowledge and knowing. And I want to talk a little bit about that mm -hmm. because knowledge ultimately is a dead thing. I can explain to you about connection and share a theory and then help you understand it. Boring, dead, knowing is showing you mm -hmm. via a story or my lived experience yes. or an experiment or a movie or a TED talk or a conversation. I show you and then you open your eyes and you see, mm -hmm. you open your ears and you hear, you open your heart and you feel. Mm -hmm. That is the power of knowing. Knowing is visible mm -hmm. here. And the more we get into knowing, the more we get into that flow yes. that you're talking about, create a genuine connection with our students. And they know that we're real. They know that we're authentic. They know that we're vulnerable and they know that we are like them, mm -hmm. right? And then when we surrender to that moment of connectedness as human beings, mm -hmm. we open to the power of solidarity. Absolutely. So well said. And I, an example came to mind as you were saying that. So at the end of my world history uh, 
class I teach about uh, Afghanistan. And so knowledge was there, right? We're gonna talk about Soviet Union invading Afghanistan and leading all the way up to 9-11, post 9-11, and then leaving Afghanistan last year. Then we watched the kite runner. And mm. that to them was knowing because we had this beautiful classroom discussion after it. And they each just went around and shared something like a takeaway from you know, the, the unit, but then that story, they all went back to, I am so grateful we watched that film together. I had no idea what Afghanistan was like. I now feel like I know this part of the world in such a different way than how I've learned it or seen it in the news. And I like, I could feel this energy from them. Like they care about this place. Yes. Storytelling. It's the power of storytelling. It really is. It, it is unbelievable. And we know, right. We know the power of story. And I know that's oversaid these days. Oh, share your story. Oh, the story about, because it's oversaid because we talk about story as knowledge Mm -hmm. and you just shared the power of story in the realm of knowing Mm -hmm. you shared a film, you had a discussion, it came alive. You then had a reflection on learning and Mm -hmm. these students said, wow, Afghanistan came alive as Mm -hmm. if for the first time. And now I know that place, Mm -hmm. not only in history, but Mm -hmm. I know that place in my heart. Yes. And that to me, I feel like that's the whole point, right? We want, we want children to see and respect other places in the world, other people, but really feel it too, like feel it in their heart. Um, So everything that you just reflect upon is just so amazing. (laughs) I just love it. My next part is the pandemic. So we're in the pandemic particularly at the height, you know, 2020 to 2022, even, um, you could talk about your teaching and that experience again, aha moments, times that were really challenging, any takeaways or just in general, like in your own life and how you see this time period and what we can really learn from it. So first of all, the pandemic was, a dialectic, two things happening at the same time, usually 14 things happening, but we only have so much time. So I'm going to talk about two, the tragedy and the triumph, Mm. right? So the tragedy was Mm -hmm. from an instructional perspective, teaching online and attempting to communicate about communication via a mediated modality with black boxes on a screen through all of these devices across the span of time and space. And wow, that was just tragic. I don't think I did a very good job. (laughs) I was stumbling successfully, right? (laughs) I I, I taught this class, imagine 275 students in a mass lecture on Zoom. It was the tragedy that you imagine it to be. Mm. It was exactly that, right? Mm. That's what it was. But at the same time, there's the triumph of the beauty of technology to connect us together in the way that it did. We couldn't have done it without the technology. There was the tragedy, there was the limitation, there was the frustration, there was the madness. But 
there was also the triumph in being able to pull it off, mm-hmm. being able to do it, being able to actually have a basic functional mode of delivering instruction to students in such a way that helped them move on to complete their degree. They met the criteria because we were able to do it via a mediated technology that was available. And that that was Mm. a triumph. That was absolutely historic. Mm -hmm. We've never done that before as educators come together in an emergency, come together in an emergency for a single purpose to deliver instruction in the best way we could under horrible circumstances. (laughs) And we came together and we did it. I mean, that is unbelievable. Most of us with little preparation, little background, like with our own little devices at home, just struggling, pulling our hair out. How are we going to serve these people? And we came together and we did it. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is the power of human flourishing. Mm -hmm. Talk about a story. Talk Mm -hmm. about power. Talk about putting value and heart into something that you didn't know how it was going to work out. You didn't know how it was going to unfold. You trusted. You had faith. You got up. You put on your, you know, your device and you checked your interface and you checked your background and you created your lesson plan and you did the best you could and you got your students through. I mean, that is Mm. an unbelievable example of triumph. Mm -hmm. And so I always want us to remember the beauty of that. And I have this statement kind of coming out right now to to thank educators Mm -hmm. for what you've done in the past Mm -hmm. and to thank you for what you're doing in the present and to thank you for what you will do in the future. You know, our communities thank you, our students thank you, And really the future of our democracy thanks you because education Mm -hmm. is really that light. There's that wonderful phrase from the the Washington Post, if democracy dies in darkness. And I always Mm -hmm. say, if democracy dies in darkness, then liberty lives in light. Mm -hmm. And I choose as an educator to live in that light of instructional liberty so that we create moments of knowing that bring us home to each other and really allow us to share the love of education so that everybody knows what that's about. Yeah, I love that, that whole message. And I'm almost like, I'm getting like emotional because uh, as soon as you said, I have this message coming to me where I wanna, I wanna thank the teachers. I literally, I had the same thought. Like there was like an energy right here and I'm, just so grateful for your message because I think so many educators feel so disheartened and feel like I just went through a tornado and I don't even know how to pick up the pieces and continue on in my life. But you, we all did something so like unprecedented, right? I know we're all sick of that word, but it's unbelievable. Now that we can reflect back, even though, you know, we're still in this time and not, not to take anyone's loss away, right, at all. But we did something that was almost miraculous. Like, yeah. I, I remember we turned our whole school into a virtual program in like three or four days. Yeah. Uh, things we've never done before, ever. And we, we pulled something off and we were there for kids. We were there for young adults. And 
we have to reflect on what we have gone through and what we accomplished. And that triumph is real. And that's where I would love to see us focus that energy on the triumph so that we can continue to push forward and do even like greater work because you're right, like education, I've been speaking about this too. It is the foundation of democracy. It is the foundation of the society. We need to have this faith that we will have a good education system in this country, around the world. Um, I've seen a lot of broken people, a lot of broken teachers, you know, and part of me creating this podcast is because I was so sad, you know, and I, I saw things falling apart, but we have to have faith. We have to have hope. We have to look at that triumph and say that we can continue to make this better. And I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And, and again, not denying the tragedy, as you said, not yeah. denying the tragedy, not denying the suffering, not denying the horror. There is no denial there. And at the same time, right? So mm -hmm. simultaneously looking at multiple modes of meaning, look at multiple realities, looking at the triumph mm -hmm. and looking at what we did and looking at how suffering has transmuted into this beautiful moment of triumph where mm -hmm. we came together as educators and we pulled it off. Yeah. Limited resources, limited time, limited information, yeah. limited tech savviness, whatever you want to call it. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? What time does the eight o'clock bus leave? Who's buried in Grant's tomb? And at one point I was so exhausted. I fell asleep in my office and I came late to class. And then I wrote a story about it. And I said, hey, everyone, I want you to know Dr. J is stumbling successfully today. I fell asleep in the office because I was uh, exhausted. <laughs> right? And the class was so cool. And you all were so amazing. Thank you for your patience. I want to shout out to and I gave the names of certain students who were really nice. Aww. And I just yeah. spoke about the struggle. I collapsed in my office because I was struggling. And thank you for waiting for me. I wasn't late because I was hanging out getting pizza at the local eatery it's closed by the way because of covid but you know i was collapsed right on the floor of yeah. my office thank you for being patient and man i got so many replies hey thank you dr j you rock brother yeah don't worry about it we got your back thank you for the vulnerability you're the man blah blah oh my, oh my god gosh. thank you so much for sharing that story my mom and my dad and they would share then oh, their yeah. story of struggle right so my story of struggle came as an example mm -hmm. for them to share their struggle and then the triumph of being able to show up of coming to class and again there's that mm -hmm. wonderful dialectic about how we as human beings have that capacity to use struggle mm -hmm. and suffering to transcend the tyranny of the moment and mm -hmm. create a present that then facilitates a more fruitful future. And that's a yes. beautiful thing. Yes, yes. That's such a great thought that like, you gotta look at that transcendence, right? So that we can continue to have the energy. We need the energy to keep going. We can't just like give up and say, well, that was really hard. I'm exhausted. I don't know what else to do, right? Um, and that kind of leads me into this, this uh, last part is now the future, right? So the future of education 
you know, what do you really see like moving forward, like takeaways from the pandemic, what we've learned from this time, you know, how can we really push it um, in a way that it's going to be, I think it's going to be transformative. I think this next level is going to be very different than how we've seen education, you know, since like the early 1900s. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And you seeing it, right. You see that difference and there's no denying it. We cannot be in denial that the same old is the same old because the bottom line is it isn't. We're changed forever. And the pandemic has really been a catalyst for that change. And I always say that that change happens in the present. And I go back Mm -hmm. to those those three questions that I talk about. One question is about identity. Mm -hmm. Another question is about intentionality. And the third question is about agency. And identity is essentially, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But for me, identity is the idea that you're a certain character in every scene of life. Mm And intentionality is the idea that you have a sense of purpose as you open into the world. And agency, which is the last word or the last concept, is the idea that you move or you behave in the world in certain ways. So we have identity, we have intentionality, and we have agency. Mm -hmm. And that really is a formula Mm -hmm. for going from horror to Mm -hmm. triumph, from tragedy to triumph, by focusing on what we can do in the moment. We can't control the legislature. We can't control (laughs) the economy. We can't control the world. And if you don't believe that's true, look at what just happened in the last two years. Nobody, not one of us could control how the drama with the pandemic was unfolding. But you know what? Mm -hmm. We could control what we would do or what we could do in the moment. And we Mm -hmm. did it and that created triumph. So Mm -hmm. the questions that I always ask, going back to the three questions, identity, who am I in this situation? Or Mm -hmm. what kind of a person is being called in this moment? Mm -hmm. And you could answer by saying, the type of person that is being called in this moment is a caring person, for example. Mm -hmm. And then you might say, you know, what, what, is my purpose or what purpose is arising organically in this moment? And you might say, you know, the purpose or the intention is to be caring because ultimately I am a caring person who is involved in this community and I want Mm -hmm. to be caring for others and with others. Mm -hmm. And lastly, there's the question about what to do. So what arises in this moment and what can be Mm -hmm. done? What behavior can meet the moment in ways that work. And you might say the behavior or the action is sending a message, sharing a story, sharing an example on my on my board, writing a note to a student, following up via email, mm-hmm. setting up a conference on the side, talking to that parent. And notice how all those are very specific behaviors yeah. that we can engage in that are linked to our identities as caring people, to the intention or the purpose of showing up as a caring person in the world in very real ways through very concrete behaviors by speaking, by sharing stories, by posting, by creating a lesson plan, by reaching out to a student. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we do that, we master the moments of life. Mm -hmm. We create moments that matter most 
by creating that flow that we were talking about and then creating for ourselves the motivation to continue. Because I look back and I say, man, I was a caring person today. Mm -hmm. I followed through with that intention and the behavior of sending those notes, sending that email, reaching out, lets me know that I am being authentic, Mm -hmm. that I am being genuine in my purpose. And therefore, I can have the intrinsic fuel to continue. Mm. I keep hope alive in my heart through those transcendent questions that allow me to be who I am. And in that way, I allow other people to be who they are. Yeah. And I feel like we should have this in school. Like that could be a formula of really the whole kind of point of school, right? Like we want children, teens, young adults to see themselves, to be seen and say, who am I, right? That identity part, what is my purpose? And really like, this is how I see kind of schools maybe changing in the future of like, well, my purpose is not just to take a bunch of classes, right? And just to check a bunch of boxes, but what is my purpose is to learn and to grow and to to be engaged in the process and that agency, like, what do I do with it now? Like, how am I going to give back to my community? You know, do I want to become a scientist and find like a cure for cancer? Do I want to, you know, become a teacher and inspire children, whatever that may be, but that's what we need in school. Because right now, especially this generation, they're like, why are we just doing all these things, <laughs> right? We need to have more of this conversation with our kids. Absolutely, absolutely. And it becomes self-transcendent, right? We mm-hmm. go inside, which is one level, but it also takes us outside ourselves. So there's mm-hmm. this wonderful dialectic, this wonderful tension of inner and outer, inner and outer. We go back and forth back and forth. This dialogue is a wonderful example. There's a back and forth, a Mm -hmm. back and forth, self and other, self and other, autonomy and community, autonomy and community. And that back and forth, back and forth is very inherently nourishing. It's very inherently rewarding. And I live in the mystery of those questions in those moments. And it arises organically. And I mean, not think about it logically. Again, I don't encourage you to think about it logically at all. (laughs) Think about it in your heart. Mm -hmm. The answers arise very organically, like they did for you earlier in this conversation where you said, oh my gosh, when you said that, Mm -hmm. it came up in awareness for me too. And now I'm getting emotional. That Mm -hmm. wasn't something in your mind. That wasn't something that was cerebral. That was a lived embodied experience that came up in awareness. Mm -hmm. You embraced it. Mm -hmm. And then you spoke through it with an identity that was coming up in the moment with an intention that came up organically and then behaviors, which was conversation and reflecting back on what you just experienced. Mm -hmm. And then you had the courage and the vulnerability to share that in the moment Mm -hmm. with absolute confidence, Mm -hmm. with absolute transparency. And that's powerful because we know you're real and you allow us to be real with you. Yeah. Such great perception. Um, Yeah. It was literally a state of flow. (laughs) 
when we yeah. had that conversation. And now I'm thinking, this is what usually happens during uh, these interviews. I just get more and more ideas <laughs> coming to mind. Um, I would love to see a communications class in school, in high school, not waiting till like college. And if you want to major in it, because I think what we need in society too is just better communication skills. I think that's a real struggle, um, especially on social media, right? And I think that there's just not that civil discourse. It's so important to have, and that's how we can connect as a community and, and bring peace and balance into, you know, all of our different, you know, areas of society. So I just feel like I want to promote a communication class in high school. <laughs> I think it would be wonderful because you're so eloquent. You're so perceptive. Um, these are great skills to teach young people, you know? Absolutely. I think that communication is mm. a skill that we need to teach mm -hmm. much earlier in our educational system because it's a practice, right? It yeah. isn't something that, oh, I've been talking since I was <laughs> yeah. three years old and I'm okay, <laughs> right? Or whatever people yeah. say, people have that like, why do I need to study communication? I've been speaking, I was an early speaker. I spoke at one and a half. That's what my mom said. And I was reciting poetry at two. Why do you need to teach me anything about communication? And Right, okay, listen, this exchange that you and I are having is high level communication. Yeah. This exchange is a conversation that is opening up a space mm. to have people be seen and be noticed for who they are. Yeah. I see you, you see me. And in those moments of solidarity, we can have disagreement and we can say, hey, Jackie, you know, I hear what you're saying. I'm not quite sure that I agree with everything mm -hmm. that you just said. And I'd like to share another perspective, would you be open to that? And Jackie yeah. probably say, oh yeah, I'd be open to that. Yeah. Well, listen, this is how I see it. Now, this is based on my experience. Yeah. You don't have to take this as your experience, but let me share a story. And notice what I just said. Mm -hmm. Let me share a story. And then I tell you a story about my lived experience. And then you go, oh, wow, I never saw it that way. And notice mm -hmm. in my telling, I'm inviting you into knowing I'm not filling your head with knowledge. Mm -hmm. Right. And in those, in that, in that storytelling, I allow us or invite us really, it's an invitational form of communication to have a moment of solidarity. So that way we can move beyond our differences. So yeah. we can move beyond what we have in difference and discover what we have in common. Yeah. And what was just coming to mind with that is, we couldn't be teaching this in schools. I mean, we, I would love to have a communications class, but we teach reading and writing, research, right? All of this, but part of even just being a history teacher in any class, you should be also teaching communication style, right? And how to be in a conversation with someone that you may disagree with them. And that is okay because we're all different people, but how do you have a respectful exchange where you can learn something and you know, be open-minded. And I like the idea of, let me share a story yep. instead of, let me tell you my opinion, <laughs> right? Very different. Language yep. is so powerful, right. so powerful. And um, I listened to this podcast called Code Switch or Code Switching. And it's like, 
has this whole theme of like just the power of language culturally too. But the way you switch up some words can change the whole dynamic of the conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the ways to incorporate communication in your class, by the way, is just to have the students have a conversation about the issue and share your story about Mm -hmm. your history, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're you're teaching a history class. So Mm -hmm. about your history and how that reflects your identity, your intentions, your behavior, Mm -hmm. and have them do what I call a situation analysis, where they have a situation Mm -hmm. from their life, and they share the story, and then their partner uses their story to kind of analyze the situation using a theory Mm -hmm. or a concept from the class. You can also have them deliver a speech, a Mm -hmm. five-minute speech, just, it doesn't have to be long, a five-minute speech on a topic related to history. And then in that speech, they share a brief story. You could also have them lead a discussion, even with a partner, where they come up with four or five questions. And then we use their questions Mm -hmm. to lead a meaningful discussion. These are all very, very practical activities that we can incorporate into any class and infuse it with communication, infuse it with dialogue and conversation, so that not only do students get a sense of how to create content Mm. or create a message, but how to deliver a message, how to receive it from other people, how to respond, and how to engage in dialogue in ways that are helpful, useful, and kind. Yes, and I'm loving all these ideas. Thank you for sharing that for just myself and any other listeners who want to use some of these strategies in their classroom. But um, we do need to teach that as a skill. And I think it's just going to allow people to connect more. And that's really ultimately what we want to do. We want kids to connect. We want them to care about their community. And communication is part of that so that you can listen to other people's stories and perspectives. So thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Um, states of flow, right? Like really like big energy, big heart energy. I, I was feeling it points of this conversation. So thank you. You're, you're welcome. My absolute pleasure. And again, so grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and to share our story, my story, mm-hmm. and the story of educators through the pandemic and through our time together. Thank you again. And for our listeners, where can they find you? uh, What's the best platform or any other uh, information you want to plug? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I'm sure you're going to share that content probably in the information that Mm -hmm. you construct. Very active on Twitter. LinkedIn is actually where I'm most active, to be honest. And I'm sure you'll find the information on my website. I always go, okay, what's the website address? It's (laughs) www.joserodriguez.solutions. I'm there. Uh, Give me a a ring. Give me a holler. Send me a a message via the interwebs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. I will have all of that in the show notes and you can connect with Dr. Rodriguez. Thank you so much. And this is just such a blessing. Awesome. Thank you.